Welcome into Coat Check, the official podcast of the Delaware Blue Coats, the NBA G League affiliate of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Matt Murphy back with another episode and really excited about today's guest. We shift to the coaching staff and we'll get there shortly, but just a quick reminder that Coat Check, the podcast, appears every other Thursday. That is our rotation at this point in time in the feeds the podcast feeds of both the Delaware Blue Coats on your podcast platforms and also very exciting it also appears in the 76ers podcast network feeds on all of the podcast platforms as well but without further ado let's introduce the guest for this episode Blue Coats assistant coach Xavier Silas coach Silas I know uh we were just catching up a little bit you've got young kids, a young family, and it's obviously an unprecedented time right now that the world is facing. How are you doing and your family? How are you all doing during this time? We're all good. My parents are actually with me now. Uh, We're all hunkered down at at my spot in Colorado. So it's it's as good as it can be when you have two toddlers running around. Absolutely. We are recording this on April 15th. Just for some context for the listeners out there, we are going to dive into Coach Silas's background, his career as a player, high school, college, and into his pro career. We will get to our healthy lifestyle segment presented by our friends at Christiana Care. Of course, as doctors, nurses, and caregivers, and as neighbors and friends, Christiana Care is a partner in everyone's journey to greater health and well-being. Why do they do it? For the love of health. Visit ChristianaCare.org. We'll shift gears to his career as a coach, obviously with the Delaware Blue Coats this season as an assistant for Connor Johnson. And then we will have some fun with our at the buzzer questions towards the very end. But let's jump in with your hometown you're a Texas guy, Austin, Texas. How would you describe growing up out there? You know, it, it was definitely um, not as popular as it is now back then. It's blown up in the last 10, 15 years. Um, you know, our slogan in Austin is keep Austin weird. And so it was a lot of weird stuff going on. Sixth Street and down on the drag near the University of Texas has always been a weird kind of kooky spot. But you know, the food is amazing. Of course, Tex-Mex uh, and, and barbecue kind of take the take the, the king spot out there. And, and it's just a really nice spot. You know, it's really hot, um, <laughs> not really a winter, but really cool spot to grow up in. You know, Austin is definitely the best city in Texas for sure. And I, I've got the sense just from being around you for this season that you're a big food guy. So I think I want to talk more about that towards the end, at least uh, relatively speaking to the NBA and the NBA G League circuits and the different cities. You're, you're a well-traveled man. And I think that carries over into the, the food scene a little bit as well. But speaking of Austin, your high school, Stephen F. Austin High School, and then you ended up at Brewster Academy in New Hampshire. I know you've talk, talked about that transition before and all it takes is really a a wikipedia search to see the history of brewster academy basketball a very well-known program and you you you've mentioned recently that you picked up a lot more scholarship offers from that prep year so with the, the the background of brewster and all that explain a little bit more about your high school and prep experience maybe even at both schools yeah you know i went to austin high 
uh, after attending St. Stephen's, which was a, a really good private school there in Austin. Went over to Austin High, played my junior and senior year there. And when I got there, we hadn't won the district in 30 years. And so we were able to win the district and go undefeated my senior year. After that, I had about three offers. Um, Coach Smith at, at Brewster recruited me to go to Brewster Academy for, for my fifth year. Uh, my dad, you know, it was two things. Uh, my dad didn't want me to go to school, uh, to, to college too early, right? So I was, I turned uh, 17 in January of my senior year. And so I was really young. I was 16 half of my, my, uh, my senior year. And so he just thought it was too young for me to go to college, which looking back, he was, he was right. I went to Brewster Academy, had three offers when I got there, left with over 40. And so it, it was a huge kind of boost in, in my career and in the first kind of stepping stone of getting on the map and, and, and getting known. Um, it was a really good experience. The exposure – the difference in exposure between prep school and just a normal public school is just, it's night and day. And so being able to do that really changed a lot of things for me in my career. Before we uh, quickly touch on your college career, um, what are your relationships like with fellow Brewster products that are in the NBA or around the NBA? You know, um, it's funny. I, I was... I, when when I got called up to the 76ers, Craig Brackens was there, and Craig was uh, a Brewster guy. You know, uh, when I was with um, when I was with the Nuggets for their preseason uh, a few years ago, of course, Will Barton is a Brewster guy, and so you know, it's a it's we have a long list of, of guys in the pros, uh, from Thomas Robinson to Donovan Mitchell to. You know, even the the kid coming out now, Terrence Clark, um, going to Kentucky, uh, and and last year Jalen Lacue. So I mean, it, it goes on and on, like literally. And so, you know, our relationship is, is that of just we're all alumni and we all have that connection. Um, you know, I, I've played with Chris McCullough, who who went to uh, Brewster, um, and so it, the, the, literally the list goes on and on. And I've been able to play with a few guys that went to. Brewster and actually stayed in my same room, which is funny. Wow. Yeah, I see you interacting with those guys on social media from time to time. Certainly a good fraternity of uh, players that have come through that program. And talking about your college programs now, a couple of years at Colorado, 2006 to 2008, and then you finished at Northern Illinois. Mm -hmm. So what are your fondest memories at each school? Was it perhaps uh, going back and forth in the scoring title race with Jimmer Fredette towards the end of your career at Northern Illinois? Just touch on your experience at both places. All that stuff was fun, man. You know, Colorado is a beautiful, beautiful campus. Great people. I met my wife there. I met uh, one of my best friends there, or two of my best friends, actually, Sundance Wicks and Bianca Smith, both coaches now. Um, and Sundance, of course, was a coach when I was there. He's now at Wyoming, just got a job. Congratulations to him there. Um, you know, it's honestly, um, it's a lot of good memories in both spots. Um, you know, the, the people there, you know, being able to, to be the fourth leading scorer in my freshman year behind KD um, 
and Wesley Johnson and DJ Augustine uh, in the Big 12 was was huge for me. Being able to average 13 as a freshman was like, that was one of my goals to come in and really show that I can play as a freshman. Then going, you know, all the way to the end where, where I was with Ricardo Patton, who was at Colorado and recruited me at Colorado. Uh, he, he changed and, and, and took a job in Northern Illinois and I ended up following him. And yeah, you're right, going back and forth with Jimmer and all those guys, that's my senior year. Um, you know, understanding and learning how to how to carry a team and 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 score a whole bunch of points like that when people are gearing up to stop it. Um, it is a whole and and then you know honestly the the best, I think the best um, piece that that I love the most is just really getting in the gym in Northern Illinois and working on my game with, with Sundance and Jeff Becker and and all those guys that were there, Coach Smith. Um, you know, it, it, we spend a lot of time, a, a lot of dark hours in those gyms. So that probably will be the, 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 the most memorable piece of it all. Right. And anybody who knows your career knows that you have a reputation as having a great work ethic. And I think that definitely carries into your pro career, which we will get to now. You spent time, various points in your career with a handful of NBA teams. You've mentioned some of them already. And one of them, obviously, hitting close to home with the Blue Courts, Blue Coats organization, being the Philadelphia 76ers, also the Washington Wizards, Boston Celtics, and Denver Nuggets. Let's talk about 2012 with the Sixers. A couple games of NBA playoff experience for you in the second round against Boston. I know recently NBC Sports Philadelphia aired that first round series against the Chicago Bulls, and I caught some of that. And obviously, that was bringing back some memories for. Sixers fans, a lot of whom uh, might be tuned into this podcast. So what memories do you take away from that experience with the 76ers? I mean, it was a great experience. You know, if you remember that team, it's Drew Holiday, it's Iggy, it's it's Evan Turner, it's uh, it's, it's Elton Brand, it's uh, Lou Will. It's, you know, that, that team was stacked. And it was like right before the process kind of started, right? And so, um, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a rookie being able to come in and, and like you mentioned in that Bulls series, um, I didn't dress, right. I, I didn't dress, but I worked so hard, uh, in shoot around in practice. I mean, I, I just went full speed, a hundred percent the whole time and ended up earning a spot, uh, with, with the, in, in the Celtics, um, series, they dressed me, um, and, and had someone else sit. So or sit in the suit. So it was cool to kind of, to kind of be there and, and fight for that. Um, playoff basketball is amazing. Uh, going to, I think it was game six um, with the Bulls and then going to game seven with the Celtics. Uh, just that whole experience was amazing. And I learned so much from coach Collins and, and that coaching staff, um, you know, it was, it was, it was great. Uh, jumping in there, you know, playing in those in those two games against the Celtics in the playoffs uh, as a rookie was was huge, um, and I was able to to kind of build off of that and and have a certain type of confidence for the rest of my career. Absolutely, and certainly some things that I think um, make sense that you'd be able to carry over into your coaching career, which we'll get to shortly. But unfortunately, kind of had some injuries along the way. Uh, one with the Sixers at summer league that you've recently touched on um, as well, but not on this podcast, but what did you learn about yourself um, 
when battling certain setbacks in your playing career? Yeah, you know, coming off a great rookie year, fighting for that playoff spot, you know, clearly the organization, you know, they they were fond of me um, at, at that point. But summer league last game, even the last quarter of that of the uh, of summer league, uh, I, I fractured my skull. Um, it was a gruesome injury. Had to have surgery like the next morning. Um, and and after that, you know, everything kind of went on hold. Of course, I tried to rush back and come back to training camp with the Sixers. Um, tried to jump in there without even touching the ball just because that's the kind of guy I am. But clearly I wasn't ready to return, so had to take some more time. Jumped back in the G League, ended up hurting my shoulder that year. And so it kind of got plagued with, with injuries um, in that – and, you know, right after that next 12 months after the playoffs with the Sixers, it kind of really got serious with the whole injury piece. And I had like three surgeries within eight months. And so learning that, you know, you got to be patient with everything. And with me, I was always trying to fix everything with, with work and hard work and got to work and go crazy. And, um, you know, when you have a head injury and you're, you're, you have a, um, shoulder injury and an elbow injury and you have surgery within a week of a week apart and you just kind of have to be a couch potato really uh helped me grow kind of uh internally you know mentally spiritually did a lot of reading and and that kind of helped me be centered for the rest of my career and and I'm sure it'll it has well it already has carried over into coaching and being able to really well now you know it's funny I'm making this connection now being injured and not really being able to play and coaching are a lot of light, you know, uh, you don't really have control over uh, what happens uh, as a coach. And of course, it, when you're injured, you can't really do anything about it. And so that kind of prepped me for being able to be a coach and, and understand that, you know, you kind of have to let things happen um, and do what you can, but but not try to be overbearing and, and, and go crazy with things how I used to be when I was young. So we'll delve further into that transition from player to coach here in a second, but let's mix it up right now with our healthy lifestyle segment presented by Christiana Care. And I meant to do this on the last episode with Haywood Highsmith, but just want to give a quick shout out to all the healthcare professionals out there um, on the front lines doing their thing. Uh, Can't be said enough uh, on social media, podcasts, whatever platform it is. Thank you to everybody out there who is is helping during this time. And it's a similar situation here on the Healthy Lifestyle segment as we had with Haywood on the last episode of Coat Check. It's a quarantine edition, so it kind of might change your answer for a little bit based on what type of workouts you're able to do. But the first question is the one that includes the Christiana Care mantra of for the love of health. So what are you doing for the love of health, given the current circumstances, whether it's running, uh, bike workouts, whatever it might be? I have a Peloton. Uh, okay. Okay. And I've been going crazy on the Peloton, um, a lot more than I was able to do during the season. And so um, that's it, man. That's it. I've been doing a lot of research on what to do. And, and one of the things that I kind of want to do or get is a, a mini trampoline. Um, okay. They said that, you know, jumping rope and, and doing the mini trampoline are like one of the things that'll burn the most calories. Um, I can't really jump rope 
that much uh, just because it's just too much impact, you know, but on the trampoline, um, I'll, I'll be able to. And so I'm, I'm thinking about doing that. I might order it right when we get off. I feel like the mini trampoline might be something for your kids as well, maybe. That's the only thing. <laughs> I don't want them to be jumping on it and, and banging their heads off the wall. So I have to like hide it and use it uh, when, I, when I use it and then hide it when I'm not using it. How about when it comes to diet or nutrition? Um, I've heard you say things along those lines throughout the season. Any tips for the listeners on things that they can feel good about cooking or eating or things you're cooking and eating during this time? I use the outside of the grocery store rule. And so if it's on the outside of the grocery store, like when you walk in a grocery store, if you stay on the outside of it, you're generally good. That's where all the produce is. You know, you have your meat, your cheese, your milk, you know, um, all the things that are from the earth. Um, when you get into those aisles in the middle, that's where it gets tricky and things are just made in factories and kind of man-made stuff. And so uh, during this time, it's easy to kind of start snacking and, and going a little crazy on your diet. But if it's stuff from the earth, if it's stuff that you get on the outside of the grocery store, um, then, or, you know, the outside kind of that loop on the, in the grocery store, uh, you're, you're generally good. And that's a good way to kind of stay healthy. Wow. I like that a lot. I haven't heard that outside of the grocery store. I'm going to keep yep. that in mind. Yep. All right. Now to your coaching career, first year as a coach, an assistant coach for the Delaware blue coats, describe the transition from player to coach, but specifically, within the MBA's assistant coaches program and how that impacted things? Yeah, you know, the, that coaching program really, really helped a lot on uh, getting prepared for what I was going to be doing this year. Um, you know, they, they got us, they do a really good job in, in preparing you for synergy and, and all these different things that we use as coaches, uh, sport code and, you know, um, a lot of different, a lot of analytics and film related a things. Lot, a lot of different film, film related, analytic related, um, and just scout related stuff. And so we had intensives on that stuff all through the summer. So when I got to, to Philly and, and to, uh, to Delaware, I was prepared and I had seen it all. Right. And so, um, that, that was, that was helpful. As far as the transition goes, you know, I didn't, I didn't miss playing as much as I thought I would. Um, and I liked coaching more than I thought I would. I, I thought it'd be opposite. Um, I thought I'd miss playing. I wish I was playing. I, and and I, I thought that I would think that coaching was kind of, you know, lame, I guess. Um, and that's just for me last year being a player and kind of wondering if I'm really going to like it. But uh, with our coaching staff and just jumping into it, man, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Um, so many different things that you, you have to learn and, and, and begin to conquer, uh, which is something that I always liked. I, I liked identifying weaknesses and then working on to build them and turn them into strengths. And so kind of being able to do that as a coach and identifying things that I can do better and, and how we can be better as a whole and coming up with strategy it was just a, a really good experience, and, and I'm glad I made that move uh, early, which a lot of people probably thought I was a little crazy um, retiring that early. But, you know, I think I made the right move, and, and I really enjoy it. What were some of the biggest adjustments for you? Because I know I, I read 
that maybe it's just not turning it off as much as you would as a player and you're in the gym getting your shots up practicing for a few hours but then you can kind of have the rest of the day to do whatever you want to do whereas when you're a coach you're thinking about everything pretty much all day every day so what were some of the biggest adjustments for you yeah I think the biggest adjustment from a player uh to to a coach is the hours you know uh as a player you come in you know get tape go practice go home um, as a coach, we're there probably three or four hours before the first guy even gets there. Um, we're, we're talking and, and, and planning and, like you said, thinking um, for at least three or four hours before they get there. And then we stay and we, after practice, and, you know, practice is, what, three hours long. And then um, we stay after for a while and then talk about practice and talk about what we're going to do for the next day and all that stuff. And so – you know, for a player, it's maybe a three, max four hour day. Um, for a coach, it's easily seven or eight. And so that was the biggest kind of difference and adjustment um, for, for me, you know. And, and I think for any player, it's going to be – that's going to be the biggest thing. So I didn't really have this one ready to go, and we'll get to our final couple questions at the buzzer here in a second. But, and you might not have a good answer for this yet because it's so new to you. Uh, and if you don't, that's fine. But what what are your goals as a coach? I, I want to be a head coach. Um, you know, it, it's clear for me that, that that's what I want to do. Um, I love uh, being able to learn and be an assistant coach. Um, but at, at the goal, the end goal is to be able to be a head coach and kind of see if I can lead a, a group of, of guys uh, in the right direction, in, in the winning direction. Um, and, you know, I, they always say that the team takes on the personality of, of their head coach. And I would be – I'm really uh, interested to see um, if, if that could be the case with me uh, as a head coach, you know. So um, that, that's the end goal. But, you know, the process is so fun. The process of being an assistant and learning has been so fun that, you know, at this point it's a win-win situation for me. We'll have more with Xavier Silas in just a second. But first, Nemours Sports Medicine believes that highly personalized one-on-one -on -one physical therapy for young athletes is paramount to a speedy and complete recovery. Learn more at Nemours.org slash PT. So let's go at the buzzer here. Just a couple of questions to round things out here on Coat Check. The, uh, the Colorado Prep, Colorado Prep basketball program, helping out young players on the Colorado basketball scene What's the latest um, with all that and maybe some information for people who, who might not know? Yeah, so, you know, I, I founded this uh, prep team. It's gonna, we're going to play on the grind session uh, in the West Coast Conference. So a little bit about the grind session. It's, it's been in existence for six years. Um, they've had like 771 guys go D1, nine top 10 draft picks um, in the NBA and, and so the, they have a lot of uh, really good things that have come out of that. And we're able to be the only team in Colorado to, uh, to be on the grind session. And so with that, um, you know, just create an opportunity um, for, for some guys that are in this kind of Mountain West region that, that don't really get um, an opportunity of this magnitude to get the type of exposure that, you know, other teams in other states are getting. And, and it'll be great for me um, being able to, to be in the administration side of things and, and 
you know, figure out the logistics, figure out the scheduling, uh, get the roster right. You know, all those things are, are, are great. And I'm able to get real life reps at that. And so, um, you know, it's all about getting better and, and kind of helping others. And so I'm able to do both of those things uh, right now. So it's, it's a great thing. And also get to work with my dad, who's going to be the head coach and my mom, who's kind of heading up our booster club. And so it's a family affair. We're, we're, we're doing it. Um, and it, it's a good way to kind of be with them and be around them. You know, they've had a nonprofit for over, over 23 years. And, and so they're kind of shifting and, and doing their, you know, uh, doing Colorado prep as, as their nonprofit. And it's, it's been great for the family. That's awesome with the whole family involved. Now I, I talked about food, so we'll get you out uh, with a food question here at the buzzer. Some of the best food cities maybe in the, on the NBA or NBA G league circuit. I don't, I know you're interested in seafood on a couple of the, the cities that we visited in, in the right. G league this year. So what comes to mind when I ask best food cities or stops on the, the NBA circuit? You know, I, I love Chicago. They have so many great restaurants. Um, Joe's, uh, Stone Crab is, is, is my favorite restaurant. And I know I can get there um, in, in uh, Chicago. I can get there in Washington, D.C. And then there's one in Vegas as well. Um, when, we, when we talk about like just top food spots, I always say, and a lot of people don't think about it, but Vegas, you know, when you're in Vegas for Summer League and all these different things that you have to be there for in the NBA, um, they just have these world-renowned chefs uh, in every single hotel competing with each other. And there's so many just great restaurants. And so when it comes down to it, if you want uh, the most quality restaurants, Vegas is definitely the spot. There you go. I, I wasn't personally thinking of Vegas, but now I am. So that's, that's a great note to end it on. Uh, thanks for the time, Coach Silas, and best wishes to you and your family at this time. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Everyone stay safe, stay home, do your part. Thanks again. And he's Delaware Blue Coats assistant coach Xavier Silas. I'm Matt Murphy. Until next time, take it or leave it at the Coat Check.